Chapter Twenty One of Grace Harlowe's Senior Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One: What Happened at the Haunted House. The moment that Grace left Marian, she set her active brain at work for some solution of the problem she had taken upon her own shoulders. She had no money, and the members of her sorority had none. Besides, Grace inwardly resolved not to tell the other girls were it possible to avoid doing so. Mrs. Gray would be home before long, and Grace knew that the gentle old lady would gladly advance the money rather than see Marian disgraced. But Eleanor had planned to denounce Marian on Thursday, and it was now Monday. There was but one course to pursue, and that was to go to Eleanor and beg her to renounce her scheme of vengeance. Grace felt very dubious as to the outcome of such an interview. Eleanor had in the past proved anything but tractable. "'I'll go to-night,' decided Grace. "'I'm not afraid of the dark. If Mother objects, I'll take Bridget along for protection, although she's the greatest coward in the world.' Grace giggled a little as she thought of Bridget in the role of protector. That night she hurried through her supper, and barely tasting her dessert, said abruptly, "'Mother, may I go to Eleanor Savellis this evening?' "'A way out to Hartsey's, Grace. Who is going with you?' "'No one,' replied Grace truthfully. "'Mother, please don't say no. I simply must see Eleanor at once.' "'But I thought you were not friendly with Eleanor,' persisted Mrs. Harlow. "'That is true,' Grace answered. "'But just now that is the very thing I want to be. It's this way, Mother. Eleanor is going to try to make some trouble for Marion Barber in the class, and I must act at once if it is to be prevented.' "'More schoolgirl difficulties,' commented Mrs. Harlow with a smile. "'But how does it happen that you always seem to be in the thick of the fight, Grace?' "'I don't know, Mother,' sighed Grace. "'No one dislikes quarrels more than I do. May I go?' "'Yes,' assented her mother. "'But you must take Bridget with you. I'll see her at once and tell her to get ready.' It had been a raw, disagreeable day, and towards evening a cold rain had set in that was practically half snow. It was anything but an enviable night for a walk, and Bridget grumbled roundly under her breath as she wrapped herself in the voluminous folds of a waterproof cape and took down a huge dark green cotton umbrella from its accustomed nail behind the kitchen door. "'Miss Grace do be crazy to be going out this night. Rheumatics I shall have to-morrow in all my bones,' she growled. She plodded along at Grace's side with such an injured expression that Grace felt like laughing outright at the picture of offended dignity that she presented. Grace chatted gaily as they proceeded, and Bridget answered her sallies with grunts and monosyllables. When they reached the turn of the road, Grace said, "'Bridget, let's take the shortcut. The walking is good, and we'll save ten minutes' time by doing it.' "'Pass that haunted house?' gasped Bridget. "'Never. May the saints preserve us from haunts.' "'Nonsense!' laughed Grace. "'There's no such thing as ghosts, and you know it. "'If you're afraid, you can go back and wait at your cousin's for me. "'She lives near here, doesn't she?' "'I will that,' replied Bridget fervently. "'But don't you be too long gone, Miss Grace?' "'I won't stay long,' promised Grace, "'and hurried down the road, leaving Bridget to proceed with grumbling to her cousin's house. "'The house that Bridget had so flatly refused to pass "'was a two-story affair of brick that set well back from the highway.' There were rumours afloat that a murder had once been committed there, and that the apparition of the victim, an old man, walked about at night moaning in true ghost fashion. To be sure, no one had as yet been found who had really seen the spectre old man. Nevertheless, the place kept its ghost reputation and was generally avoided. 
Grace, who was nothing if not daring, never lost an opportunity to pass the old house, and jeered openly when anyone talked seriously of the ghost. Now she smiled to herself as she rapidly neared the house, at Bridget's evident fear of the supernatural. "'What a goose Bridget is,' she murmured, just as though there were—' She stopped abruptly and stared in the wonder at the house. On the side away from the road was a small wing, and through one of the windows of this wing gleamed a tiny point of light. "'A light?' she said aloud in surprise. "'How strange! The coast must be at home. Perhaps I was mistaken. No, there it is again. Ghost or no ghost, I'm going to see what it is.' Suiting the action to the words, Grace stole softly up the deserted walk and crouched under the window from whence the light had come. Clinging to the window wedge, she cautiously raised herself until her head was on a level with the glass. What she saw caused her to hold her breath with astonishment. Was she awake, or did she dream? At one side of the room stood a small table, and on the table, in full view of her incredulous eyes, stood the strong box which had held the bizarre money that had been spirited away on Thanksgiving night. Bending over it, the light from his dark lantern shining full on the lock, was a man whom she had accused on the train. Thrilled for the moment by her discovery, Grace forgot everything except what was going on inside the room. The man was making vain efforts to hit upon the combination. How long he had been there, Grace had no idea. She could not take her eyes from the box which contained their hard-earned money. Minutes went by, but still she watched in a fever of apprehension for fear he might accidentally discover the combination. Unsuccessful in his attempts, he finally straightened up with an exclamation of anger and disgust. Going over to a small cupboard built in the wall, he opened it, and, stooping, pressed his finger against some hidden spring. Then the wall opened, and the light from the lantern disclosed an inside recess. Lifting the box, he carried it over and deposited it in the opening, and at his touch the panel slid back into place. Quickly locking the cupboard, he placed the key in his pocket, and, extinguishing the lantern, strode towards the door. Once outside, he passed so close to Grace that by stretching out her hand she might easily have touched him, as she lay flat on the rain-soaked ground, scarcely daring to breathe. The stranger paused to lock the door, and Grace heard him mutter, Nice night to send a pal out in, and on a still hunt, too. Nothing short of soup will open up that claim. If the rest of the jobs is going to pull off a light this hand out, and me to shake this rude joint. The echo of his footsteps died away, and Grace ventured to raise herself from her uncomfortable position. She peered into the blackness of the night, but could see nothing. Rising to her feet, she stealthily circled the house and set off at her best speed for Heartsease. There will be plenty of work for Eleanor and me to do this night, she thought. If only she will help me now, and she must. She can't refuse. It's for the honor of the senior class. Giving the old-fashioned knocker a vigorous pull, Grace waited impatiently for admittance. Is Miss Savelli at home? asked Grace eagerly, the moment the maid opened the door. No, ma'am, answered the girl. She and her aunt are in Oakdale tonight. We expect them any minute now. Grace groaned inwardly. "'What shall I do?' she asked herself. "'I must get that money away from there to-night. "'Tomorrow may be too late. "'And besides, I feel sure that that dreadful man won't return to-night. "'This is our opportunity, and we mustn't neglect it.' "'The maid eyed her curiously. "'You are Miss Harlowe, aren't you?' she asked. "'Yes,' said Grace. "'May I wait here for Miss Savelli?' "'Certainly, Miss. "'Let me take your raincoat and cap. "'It's a terrible night, isn't it?' Before Grace had time to answer, the click of a latch-key was heard, and the maid said, "'There they are.' 
Eleanor stepped part way into the hall before she became aware of Grace's presence. A look of surprise followed by one of extreme dislike crossed her face. Drawing herself up, she was about to speak, when Grace exclaimed, "'Don't say a word, Eleanor, until you hear what I have to say. I came here tonight to discuss a very personal matter with you, but something so strange has happened that I must defer what I had to say until another time, and ask you if you will help me tonight.' "'I don't understand,' said Eleanor coldly. "'Please explain yourself.' "'Eleanor,' Miss Nevin interposed, "'Miss Harlowe is evidently very much agitated over something. Therefore do not waste time over useless formality. I know you, my dear, from the picture I saw of you at Mrs. Grace,' she added, turning to Grace with a winning smile that, that caused the young girl to love her immediately. "'Eleanor,' said Grace quickly, "'I found the bazaar money that was stolen Thanksgiving night.' "'Found it!' exclaimed Eleanor incredulously. "'Where?' "'At the old haunted house,' replied Grace. Then she rapidly narrated the story of her walk, her curiosity as to the light, and the sight that it had revealed to her. Eleanor and her aunt listened without interrupting. "'When I saw him put the money away and leave the house, I felt that he wouldn't try it again until daylight, so I came straight here,' Grace continued. If you will take your runabout down to the road where it runs near the, to the house, you and I can easily get the box and carry it to the machine. It will take two of us, because it's very heavy. I know I can find the secret of the panel, but we shall have to break open the door of the cupboard. I'm not afraid, and somehow, Eleanor, I felt that you would have plenty of the right brand of courage. I'm not afraid, responded Eleanor, flushing at Grace's words. But I know I should never have displayed the courage that you have. I should never have dared dashing up to a haunted house to investigate uncanny lights. My dear child, exclaimed Miss Nevin, do you suppose that I would allow you two slips of girls to prowl around that house alone on a night like this? Miss Nevin, Grace's voice rose in its earnestness. We must get that money tonight, even if I have to go back there alone. It belongs to us, and we simply can't let it slip through our fingers. And so you shall get it, was the answer. But with John, the coachman, for a bodyguard. May we go this minute? chorused both girls. Yes, nodded Miss Nevin. I'll send word to John to get out the runabout and take you at once. Ten minutes later, John, the coachman, and the two girls had squeezed into the runabout and were making as good time to the haunted house as the darkness would permit. The heavy outside door was found to be securely padlocked and the windows were locked. With two blows of the small axe that he had brought with him, John shattered the glass of the very window through which Grace had peered and climbing in helped the two girls in after him. By the light of the two lanterns they had brought, the cupboard was easily located and opened, and a diligent search was made for the hidden spring. "'Shall I smash in the panelling, miss?' asked the coachman. "'Perhaps you'd better,' asserted Grace. "'I don't seem to be able to find the key to the riddle.' She endeavoured to step out of John's way, and as she did so, struck her foot smartly against the back of the cupboard near to the floor. There was a curious grating sound, and the panel slid back, revealing the welcome sight of the strong box reposing in the recess. Unwittingly, Grace had touched the secret spring. Both girls cried out in triumph. Then, hurrying to the window, they climbed out, ready to receive the box. John set it on the window sill, and though very heavy, Grace and Eleanor combined forces and lowered it to the ground. Leaping over the sill, the coachman picked it up, and the three set off at full speed down the path. The ride back to Heartsease was a memorable one to at least two of the occupants of the machine, but few remarks were exchanged. Each girl was busy with her own thoughts. The circumstances that had brought them together seemed too remarkable for mere words. 
"'To the victors belong the spoils,' called Grace as she hopped out of the runabout before John could assist her with Eleanor at her heels, while the coachman followed more slowly bearing the box. The rain was still falling, but it was doubtful whether either girl was sensible to the fact that her hair was heavy with dampness and her clothing and shoes were wet. "'My dear, you had better allow Eleanor to provide you with dry clothing and remain with her tonight,' suggested Miss Nevin as they entered the hall. Then, ringing for the maid, she ordered hot chocolate. "'I wish you would stay with me, Grace,' said Eleanor rather shyly. "'I have a great deal to say to you.' "'And I to you, Eleanor,' Grace responded. For a moment they stood facing one another. What they saw seemed to satisfy them. Their hands reached out simultaneously and met in a firm clasp. "'Will you kiss me, Grace?' was what Eleanor said. "'With all my heart,' was the answer, and with that kiss all resentment and hard feeling died out forever. "'You are surely going to stay with me to-night,' coaxed Eleanor. "'We will send word to your mother.' But with Eleanor's remark the remembrance of her promise to her mother came back with a rush. "'Good gracious, Eleanor! I promised mother that I'd be home at nine o'clock. What time is it now?' "'It's half-past ten, replied Eleanor, consulting her watch. "'Poor Bridget,' mourned Grace. "'She was sure to be think that the ghosts have spirited me away. I must go this minute before search parties are sent out for me. But I'll see you to-morrow, Eleanor, for I need your help.' Just then Miss Nevin, who had left the room, returned with a tray on which were tiny sandwiches and a pot of chocolate. "'You must have some refreshments, Grace,' she said. Eleanor, do the honours. Grace was made to eat and drink, then placing herself under John's protection, she returned to Oakdale and Eleanor's runabout, stopping on her way home at the house of Bridget's cousin, where she found the faithful, though irate Bridget, awaiting her in a state of anxiety bordering upon frenzy. Don't fuss, Bridget, consoled Grace. The banshees didn't get me, and you're going to ride home in an automobile. That ought to make you feel better. The prospect of the ride completely mollified Bridget, and by the time they reached home she fairly radiated good nature. "'Your ideas of time are somewhat peculiar, Grace,' remarked her mother as Grace entered the living room where her mother and father sat reading. "'If Bridget had not been with you I should have been most uneasy.' But Grace was too full of her news to make any other answer than cry out, "'Oh, mother, we found it! We did, truly!' "'What is the child talking about?' asked her father, and then Grace launched forth with an account of her night's doings. "'Well, I never,' was all Mr. Harlow could find words for when his daughter had finished. "'What shall I do with you, Grace?' said her mother in despair. "'You'll be injured or killed yet in some of your mad excursions.' "'Trust me to land right side up with care,' answered Grace cheerfully. "'I'll call at the police station to-morrow morning and have the chief send someone up to that old house,' said Mr. Harlow. From what you heard the thief say, he must have a confederate. Perhaps the chief's men will get both of them. Perhaps so, replied Grace, but she had a shrewd idea as to who the confederate might be, and felt that if her suspicions were correct, there was not much chance of him incriminating himself. End of chapter 21